Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Autism, the podcast brought to you by me, Michelle Davey and my co-host, Christelle. Hello, Christelle. Hi, Mish. How are you this week? All good, all good in the city of London, yes. <laughs> lockdown you- 2.0. Yeah, how <laughs> are you in lockdown 2? I'm fine, doesn't really seem like lockdown, to be honest. It's not like the first time. It's not as big of a shock, is it? It's not like, no. whoa, everything's shut. I tell you something funny, right? Well, it's, it's going to sound like absolute mayhem and madness at first. But so my kids, right, my son, one who's autistic, he's got this obsession with his uh, toy turtle. Hmm. Now, me me and this turtle have got like a, a great, he's, the turtle is basically my nemesis, Chris, right? Is it a ninja turtle? No, it ain't even a ninja turtle. It's just <laughs> just a standard turtle. There's nothing special about this turtle. Or twice. Apart from the fact that it's took over my life. Like, it is. Like, my son is fixated with this turtle. So. It's a toy, um, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a soft toy, like a teddy, yeah. Mm. So, so, say, like, I'm having a bath, then my son will position this turtle with his sneaky, slopey eye on the toilet. So it's watching me in the bath. My gosh. Yeah, it's creepy. Creepy as hell. Right, me and my husband. It's a toy. Christelle, it's not. It's a, it's a living, <laughs> breathing thing. Like, oh, camera. Such, such is my uh, son's obsession with this turtle that it's become, you know, like how, you know, kids get fixated something. Like, obviously, with my son, I think it is a kind of like self-regulating thing with him. Like, mm. so if he's, if someone speaks to him that he doesn't know, he's kind of speaks with turtle in front of his mouth and goes like, okay. turtle does this weird noise. <laughs> but I just can't stand turtle. Like I've got a deep seated hatred for turtle. Um, you have to learn to love turtle. I can't. Christelle, I can't. I really can't. Like, you it's have to. He's so, so sneaky. He ruins my life. And um, anyway, so over the past couple of weeks, don't even ask me why. Like, I'm not some big sushi eater. I don't know where the sushis come from, right? But my son with my daughter in the garden have made up, you know, like kids play shops, yeah? Mm. So they've made up this thing, well, my son has, that is turtle sushi bar. Oh, no. <laughs> it's never, bear in mind that my son will only eat like plain pasta or really plain food. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> He's randomly chosen a food that he has no idea. I don't eat sushi in the house or nothing like that. So where this sushi well, comes from? I don't believe you because your kids are saying turtle sushi. So, <laughs> oh, hmm. so um, yeah. So the sushi bar's been going strong every weekend. They're off out to work to the sushi bar. So then, and yesterday... they're not on lockdown. <laughs> well, this is what happened yesterday, right? I was laughing so much. So what happened yesterday? They come in from school and they were driving me absolutely bonkers. And I was like, "Look, look, just go outside in the garden, go play." And they were like, "No, no, 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 whingy now." And I'm like, "Look, turtle sushi bar." And then my <laughs> my son goes to me, "No, actually, it's lockdown too, so turtle yes. sushi bar is not open anymore." You see, so, they know. But I did convince him, Christy. I was like, maybe, but yes, but eating establishments can actually offer a takeaway service. Oh. So, Turtle Sushi Bar was up and running. With or takeaway, a takeaway only. Yeah, kept them busy <laughs> for an hour out there. Hard, hard, at gra- hard at graft in the sushi shop. Start them when they're young. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's how it's been rolling with Turtle and the Sushi Shack. But so, any, any news on EHCP, Chris? No, they just keep saying, oh, really, nearly there, nearly there. Um, 
Are you interrogating them? Yes, every week we are on their case. Probably going to send them another email today, actually. Uh, right after right after this yeah but I'm hoping I'm, I've been getting loads of call from all these different departments and stuff saying oh well we received um, information for the EHCP so I think we're getting there good good so the, today we are talking about ADHD not covered that yet have we I know we've had a couple of guests uh, their children did have uh, ADHD diagnoses as well yeah but today we're going to be talking specifically about ADHD. Yeah, I think we, I think we've heard ADHD. I think growing up, that's the one, the SEN that we heard was ADHD. Yes. And I only remember it from watching it, um, you know, Super Nanny. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because yeah, in yeah. Super Nanny, they used to have a lot of children who had ADHD. And yeah. to be honest, when I was younger, I just thought it was another word for, you know, parents basically can't handle their kids. I think that's what... Um, I mean, we're going to speak to Mr. Black. He's coming on. But I imagine that's like, do you know, when they go, oh, it's just children that can't. You see it on um, on memes and that, don't you? Like, yeah. oh, like people from the ADHD is just naughty children. So it'd be good to put that to rest and actually help raise some awareness for ADHD today, I think. Lovely. Right, let's get Mr. Black on, Chris. Mr. Black. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Mr. Black. And today on Let's Talk Autism, we have got Mr. Black. Very mysterious. Hello. 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 <laughs> I sound like Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> now, can we call you Peter or do we have to address you as Mr. Black? No, it's Black. Black. Peter, Peter's completely fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, Peter, you're coming on to speak to us today about ADHD. So tell us a little bit about your family setup. You've got children with diagnoses and tell us a little bit about your journey. We've got four children. Brad's my oldest. He's actually my stepson. And he's got, he's got ADHD, uh, autism, sensory processing. He's also dyslexic. He's got Erlen syndrome as well. The last one. Erlen syndrome is something that affects, it's a visual processing problem right, okay. where uh, things like on white paper and black writing, they see writing move around. Oh, right. so, so it's different from dyslexia. Because he's also got dyslexia as well. But he actually sees things move around on the page. Oh, right. Okay. And how old is he? He's 10 now. So Bella is nine and she has Erlen syndrome as well. I've got Billy then, who's seven. He's just chaos, but he doesn't have any diagnosis. <laughs> and my youngest is Bertie. He's five years old. It's very likely that he has ADHD. Right. Okay. But at the moment, it's not affected him at school it's not he's crazy he's constant on the go yeah from sort of 5 a.m till he collapses in bed at night but he is always on the go right so with with the adhd can you kind of explain to us because christelle and i was talking about this just beforehand Mm -hmm. is we think that this is probably the main stereotype is that people go oh adhd is just they just label naughty kids that these days yeah. you know, like being the older generations that's their sort of their vibe with this isn't it it really is I think the difficulty with children that have got autism as well is that the diagnosis could be so complicated in terms of your coexisting comorbidities so you've got things like ADHD and autism and sensory processing disorder which he's got and it's hard sometimes you, you people see them out on the street and they go they're just naughty 
And there could be so many other things going on for that child other than just autism or just ADHD. So an interesting pathway, really, because he was first diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. He was then diagnosed with autism. And it was only because we could see the autistic behaviours. But at home, you know, as a parent, you see a lot more of the other kind of behaviours. And we could never put a finger on what was actually going on with him because he just he just couldn't ever focus. And he was so impulsive. We went through the process then to get him diagnosed, which is quite... It took quite a long time, really. In total, it was about five years from wow. us first seeing the symptoms of That's autism. a long time. Yeah, it was. It was three years sort of from autism to ADHD. Mm. Wow. And what, when you say impulsiveness-ism, I think I've got the right word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be a teacher, don't you, though? Um, so with, the, um, with that, what sort of behaviours was he displaying? When you say impulsive, what you mean is that he, he think without acting and he'd act so impulsively, so quickly. So say we're walking across the road. So say what happened before he got diagnosed? I was holding on to all four children at school and he'd see a dog in the middle of the road and he'd see this little dog and he'd go, dog! And then we'd all go flying across the road because he pulled all of us. Because he's, he's very, very big for his age as well. He's the size of a 15-year-old. So then he doesn't have that sense of danger at all. So he acts completely without thinking. So you can tell him how to cross the road and you can tell him the steps and he'll learn steps sort of very autistically. He'll, he'll learn all the steps in order. But when it comes to it, though, the impulsiveness just pushes him to go if he sees something or a butterfly or anything at all that puts him off. Uh, he actually had the, something called a QB test to give them, which is a, an electronic test to give them on a computer. It's part is this of for a the diagnosis? Of, yeah, it's part of diagnosis. And what they do is they show them, uh, they put a camera on the head to follow where they're actually looking. And then uh, something comes on the screen and they have to uh, press a clicker, you know, like uh, to try and coordinate it's how impulsive they are and how active they are. Well, he had the test twice and he broke the machine the first time for clicking it. Wow. <laughs> so they said, they said, he's very active, but he's broken the machine. I said, well, mm. you <laughs> tested him for ADHD. He's very impulsive. He said, but he couldn't sit still to do the mm. test long enough. <laughs> Which is... It's a sign of ADHD, is it? <laughs> well, I was going to say, we went back again. And luckily, I got him to sit down. So... He does, he's done quite a lot of things that are impulsive without thinking. Mm. So yes. his, his logical brain works with autism. So he's very logical in the sense that he sees something and he, he doesn't consider the consequences with the ADHD. We went out to go out one night and we came back and the house was smelling of gas completely. So we opened the front door and it stank of gas. Instantly you think it's a gas leak. As a parent, you, you're always, you have to be aware constantly of everything he's doing. It only takes that one second yeah. Yeah. of you dropping your guard. Yeah. And literally, I dropped my guard as we were going out of the house. And he'd obviously gone back upstairs, I think, to get his coat. And he turned all the gas on, going through the house, trying to keep all the kids safe, you know, lock them back yeah. in the car, go up the house. And then the, all the gas burners are on. So, of course, okay. trying to choke and opening the windows. Mm. So I, I asked him, so I was thinking, what, you know, what the heck's going on? And he went, well, the house is going to explode. I said, what? You're like, the house is going to explode. Mm. I was thinking, it, it definitely could explode. It was full of gas. And he went, yeah. but I want a bigger bedroom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so I was oh like, did you think the whole house was going to explode? He went, no, the rest of the house was going to explode, but my bedroom was going to be fine. Oh. So I said, so would you have an ex you know, a bigger bedroom? So 
you balance that thing with him. Like you're trying to think all the time in your head, mm. what could he actually do? Yeah. Because he is so impulsive with everything he does. Yeah. So fire, uh, we've had a lot of problems with fire in terms of his oh. behaviour. Oh. He's a fire bug. So he's got obsessed with fire in terms of autistic obsession with fire. Yeah. So he thinks about it a lot. And then his sort of impulsiveness will lead him to try and set fire to his sister's hair. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. So he went to Cubs, you know, they, like they have Chris Dingle service at church and they take their candle and those kind of things. And uh, apparently he tried to set fire to his sister's hair. <gasps> but he doesn't oh, think about it. Yeah. It's totally logical to him. Oh. And he likes the fire. So he ended up with you know, the fire service coming around and uh, fitting oh. fire, you know, fire alarms all over the house. Yeah. So how, how do you deal with that, though, Peter? Like, what do you, how do you explain to him that this is really dangerous? Like, what steps do you do as parents? It's really difficult because you try not to you try not to raise that level of anxiety with him already because he's autistic. So you try not to tell him, you know, it's, you try not to scare him as well at the same time. Yeah. So you're trying to bring that level of anxiety down yeah. and trying to explain to him that your actions can have like fatal consequences yeah. because he doesn't seem to understand a lot of the time that his actions do have consequences. Yeah. So the fire the fire warden came around, and what we did was we made him honorary fire marshal of the house. Oh, good. So he bought him a stick to idea, check yeah. check the fire, to check the fire alarms every week. So he does that every week now. Good. And he and we took him on a fire safety course mm. because the fire officers came around. They were like, he definitely he's a fire bug. He needs to that impulsive side of his behaviour and the fact that he can't ever sit down. So he's always looking for something. They said that it was better to make him a fire marshal and trying to change the yeah. way he was thinking about it rather than to scare him. You know, yeah. just showing pictures of burning and things like that. But he... that's, that's really good. I think that's a really good strategy yeah. um, to use. I've never heard of it before, but it's really, really good. I think that would be really beneficial. But how hard is it for you as a parent to know what your child is going through? And when you hear people say things like, oh he's just he's just a naughty child how how difficult like just to explain to everybody else how difficult is it like if you're out with your child and he does something the judgment of people what does that do to you as a family it's incredibly difficult that I think for the first few years we didn't take him out very much I'm disabled anyway so I have a wheelchair so it's a very complex uh, family dynamic really when you take your four children out and Brad he's got very complex needs and I think people are very quick to judge yeah. you do get people saying well you just need to control your child he just needs to behave mm. himself and they look at him as well the problem you've had is he's so big he's like the size of a 15 year old now he's massive yeah. I was going to ask you that for the fact that he's bigger for his age do you feel like people treat him as if he's older they definitely do and Things like when he's stimming as well, he flaps. And literally, if he's not careful, he can take out a crowd of people because he's so big. He doesn't have any concept really of his own size or his own personal space. So he will go up to people and hug them randomly. This is before COVID. So he would hug, hug people. He would say inappropriate things to people. And it's hard to try and explain. You don't want to be in a position all the time to have to explain yourself to people because... As a parent, you're already trying to look after his needs and try without everybody else having an opinion on it as well. So a lot of people with that have children with ADHD go down the route of medication 
is that something that you guys do? I, I resisted medication very heavily at the beginning because I was scared that it was going to change who he was as a person. Sometimes he's, he is really, best way to say it, he's like a fun puppy sometimes, where you can do, you know, he wants to be really physical and he wants to jump around and it is it's part of his personality. And I was scared that the, the medication would take away from who he was as a person. I've spoken to quite a lot of parents because I've worked for the parents forum in my local area as a steering group member. And I think you, you talk to lots of parents and they go, well, we don't want to change him. We don't want to change who, the, who he is or she is. And I didn't want to do that. So it wasn't until he became a really big issue at school where he couldn't focus. And luckily his teacher is very aware of sort of ADHD symptoms and, and, and understands it a bit. He said he just can't control himself to the point where he can sit down long enough to concentrate. Yeah. So, so was that your deciding decision with it, I suppose? That was the deciding decision, really. And we, tr- we tested him on it. And initially, what medication is it? He's on Equisim, which is they start him off on a very low dose. And I think the concern always was that it can affect your metabolism and things like that. So he might not want to eat. But Brad's got sensory processing disorder. So he eats, he wants to eat constantly because he doesn't feel full. So what's happened is, is we ended up getting the first lot of medication, which he didn't want to take then, <laughs> because that's the other problem with having a, med- you know, a medication. As soon as you actually manage to get them on it, they don't want to take it because it's a lot more fun being off the medication. Do you think he noticed the difference in himself? Instantly, yeah. You start taking the medication and it has like this effect. You know, it's, it's, it, was, it was beautiful, right? Because you saw him for the first time actually sit and do Lego. And you saw yeah. that autistic focus, that, that, that really fine-tuned focus where he could sit and do something. I've never seen him do it before. I've never seen him read. He just couldn't read. He just couldn't sit there for long enough or read. Or you can sit in front of a TV and watch that, but n- nothing else really that would ever get him to focus or sit down for long enough. Mm. And he sat there and it was, it was amazing because he sat and he played Lego and he actually sat and built a model. And we were going, like, what's going on? It's crazy. You know, he's actually sat there for the first time ever. That's so then great. we carried on with the taking him. So he mm. took the 10 milligrams for, I think it was three months and was reviewed and then took the 20 milligrams, which is where he's at currently. What did he say then, like when he started to refuse it? It was very quick to refuse it because for him, it's a lot duller for him. He said the best way to describe it was that everything is wild and everything feels much more fun and crazy. Exciting. Exciting, yeah. He's got that rush all the time. It's It's a buzz, yeah. And he said as soon as he took the medication, he said he likes it when he's taking it and he's been on it for a bit and he can focus. Because we went for a very bad patch with him last year where he was being bullied at school. And they don't tell you, they don't give you any comp- new strategies to deal with that kind of behaviour and that anxiety. Yeah. I think a lot of the health service is great at giving him a diagnosis, but they're not very good at giving you strategies to deal with it. Right. Or him strategies as well. So we ended up last year where we saw the, the worst side of the impulsive behaviour. Yeah, what happened was he was getting bullied for quite a considerable period at school. And he was inwardly... He was taking it inwards, where usually he'd you know, lash out, which in some respects it's easier to deal with. I know it's hard when he's hitting out and he's being violent. It's more difficult when he's expressing suicidal and depressive type tendencies. So what I was going to ask you is in terms of depression and suicide, I've heard this a lot um, about ADHD. And I don't know how much this is true because, I mean, I'm really not an expert on this at all. So with ADHD, is it quite common that 
you know, depression and anxiety is quite closely linked with it? I think it is. What we've had, what we've experienced with Brad's behaviour is he doesn't manage to change particularly well anyway. And that raises his level of anxiety. So what happened last year when he was at school, sorry, the year before, he was getting bullied quite heavily by another child. And he couldn't understand it. He, he had trouble making friends anyway. Is he in and, a mainstream the, school? Sorry. He is in a mainstream school, yeah. So he was getting bullied by another child and it was constant. It was quite vicious bullying. So it was quite physical and he didn't understand it. So as far as he was concerned, he was taking it inwardly. And I'd always assumed that, you know, he'd, he'd lash out or he'd become, and he, he internalized it and he became very, he was saying things like, I want to be, I want to die. I want to die now. That's and as a parent, yeah, it's as a parent, you're very, very scared. Mm. And I tried to address it with school and school would say, you know, he, he's obviously too young to understand it. And, and yeah, I tried to explain it to a doctor. Look at the doctor's listening and said, mm-hmm. obviously this is not a normal type of thing mm. you hear from a child. And especially so with then, these impulsive tendencies mm. in the ADHD. Well, actually that went further. So what happened was it started to, it started to self-harm only in terms of hitting his head and things like that. So he'd punch walls, hit his head. And then we had quite a few instances where he would try to hang himself. Oh, so my God. It was, luckily, though, he did, we had no access. We made sure we had that. We nannified the house. So we hid all the knives. We hid anything that could potentially be dangerous. So we've got no naked flames in the house now. Yeah. We've got uh, no lighters or anything like that. We didn't have any anyway. But things like ropes and things skipping ropes so what he would do he tied the shower cord around his neck and jumped and luckily because he's so big it broke the shower off the wall you don't think about these kind of things though he was so quickly did it and then say when we spoke to him at the time he'd say why did you do it he went i didn't do it i didn't do anything Mm. and he's very he sounds very i think a lot of the problem we've had with parents and other parents is that he sounds very intelligent but he lacks context of what he's actually saying sometimes. Mm. And he doesn't, he is quite clear, he doesn't get it a lot of the time. So I said, why have you, you, know, why have you done that as a parent? You're like on, on the edge. So you're always, you never, you're always thinking. And of course, because he didn't sleep as well, mm. he'd never slept. You're constantly at that stage where yourself, you were anxious and you, mm. you always had that feeling that he was going to do something. So he paced mm. at night and you think, what's he going to do next? So does he get any help to deal with all that anxiety? And, and is this, yeah, is yeah. the medication, was that before the medication, Peter? Sorry, Christelle. That was around about the same time anyway. So we had right. medication at the same time. So that feature, though, of his behaviour and that sort of depressive tendency that he's got, a lot of people dismiss it quite quickly when they're seven yeah. years old and mm. say, well, they, they've got no capability of actually harming themselves or they've got no capability of hurting themselves. Well, that's not mm. true. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to explain sometimes to medical professionals that mm. he does have that capability. He can do that. Yeah. He has got knives and tried to cut his arm. God. Uh, and teachers wouldn't, wouldn't understand though as well. The firebug mm. thing, a lot of it came out of him trying to set fire to the school. He took matches, got matches from a friend at school oh, and tried to set fire to paper at school. He doesn't think about the consequences. He wants to burn the school down so he doesn't have mm. to go to school and get bullied. That was very logical to him and he understood that. Mm. But does he get any support? Does he get any support? No. It's been very difficult to to get mental health support for him. They see the autism. They see the sensory processing. They see the ADHD. They don't see the fact that 
they have a knock-on effect and it affects his mental health and he's human they don't see that part sometimes they see a diagnosis yeah and then they go well it's quite common for autistic children or children with ADHD to have problems with depression it might be so deal with that problem yeah so what kind of sorry what kind of support or help would you like there to be offered for children like your son I think it's mental health support really and strategies to be able to deal with his mental health and it's very difficult to get them to understand that they actually need more than just medication they need mental health support and the parents need strategies as well I think what's lacking a lot of the times is they they give you a diagnosis they push you out the door and they go just deal with it or let the school deal with it (laughs) or let the school deal with it and the school don't really understand either do they no in terms of you and your wife how have you been through this you know because i can't imagine i mean i've said before about my son that he does wrap things around his neck not because of any sort of like suicidal thought but just because he's got this fascination of wrapping things around his neck and i don't think i slept it felt like i didn't sleep i was just paranoid so much that he was gonna end up getting something wrapped around his neck so like i can't imagine how that is for you knowing that his intention is to do that it's so difficult because you end up in a constant state of anxiety and that of course you don't ever sleep as a same parent anyway you've always got some other thing that you're thinking about or trying to prevent and especially with this behavior we're always looking to try and manage the disaster before the disaster happened in a way though that disaster was already happening at that point so he was trying to kill himself he was he didn't want to live he didn't want to go to school he was a complete mess most of the time he was just crying and hitting himself and your own you mental health suffers as a, as a part of that. And I think that's so difficult to see in other parents. And I see it a lot with other parents as well, where you see that the mental health has suffered as a result of trying to, you know, help their own child's mental yeah. health. You just, you're always constantly anxious and it, you can't run at that hundred percent level all the time as a parent. You have to have downtime, you, you know, time to recoup. And I think you don't get that. And it's so constant. I've got three of the children that got their own needs as well. Yes. And what you find, what I said at one point, it was like 90% Brad and 10% the other three children, which you've got the guilt as well as a parent yeah. of leaving out the other children. Oh, thank you so much, Peter, for coming on Speak to Us. I mean, we could speak for hours on this. You've really been it's so interesting, isn't it, Chris? And it, it is, yeah. Really just mind blowing. It really you. is. If you want to follow Peter, you can follow him at Mr. Black underscore Send Dad. I think you'll find me somewhere. Is it, I think. (laughs) We'll put the link up on our um, bio of the podcast as well. But thanks so much, Pete, and we wish you all the best of luck. Thank Thank you, you Mr. Black. Thank you. That was Mr. Black. Wow, that's really opened my eyes, Christelle. I know. I've always heard of ADHD, but not really known you know anything in depth about it and um yeah that literally mind blown yeah it's so sad as well like with the I did hear about this with the depression and anxiety and the suicidal thoughts with ADHD but it's just so shocking it I mean suicide obviously is shocking in any age in any Mm. person but for your child Yeah, but more needs to be done, you know, more mental health support, more support for the parents. Like, 
how do you expect these children like you know for other children anyway if they're getting bullied how hard that is already now imagine a child with SCN you know yeah and just has um internalizing no yeah yeah like you know how Mr. Black said how his son was keeping everything internal, you know. Mm. It's that it's so difficult because what are they supposed to do? You know? And okay. you only handle it as a parent. When you're not getting that support, you do what you think is best. But wouldn't it be amazing if they have support in place for um situations like that? I know, because do you know what I mean? You're being a constant state of fear, I would be. Like absolute yeah. fear. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, are they gonna are they gonna do it this time? It's just so worrying, isn't it, Christelle? It really is. Like more needs to be done. And especially with lockdown now and the sort of shutdown of resources that's been going on. Mm. Oh, but I really hope that the podcast helps people to understand ADHD more and you know, drop some of those labels that oh, this is a this is a naughty kid condition. Do you know what I mean? I hate that. I absolutely hate that. But what you up to the rest of the week, Christelle? Staying in, not going out, work from home. <laughs> Follow Boris's well, rules. I'm still at work at the moment. Are you working from um, home? No. No, I'm I'm going into work, but I do know that the company are looking to maybe furlough some people. Right. Um because it's been extended now, hasn't it, to, to March. Yeah, um, why is that, eh? That's what we're going to know. <laughs> you said four but, weeks, um, Boris, eh? Well, that's what I said. I put up a post um, the other day, you know, saying last time they said four months, it turned into how long? Mm. Um, so happy new year, everyone. <laughs> happy new year from now. And happy birthday, Christelle. <laughs> Have a good one. Yeah, my birthday's in January. Thanks, Lockdown, Lee. You're the first one to say happy birthday. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, God. It's not even worth thinking about, is it, at the moment? Let's just see how it goes. And you know what? Let's just appreciate is... we're alive. We are well. Let's That's take it. that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. Next week, we've got Darcy's voice coming on when we're speaking Lovely. about Down syndrome. So, oh. yeah. So, uh, that'd be great. We're going to be speaking to Darcy's voice, mum's Claire next week but thanks everyone for a great week hope you enjoy it's sunshine here today hopefully it stays like this nice and dry with that autumnal fresh briskness to the air it could be it's cold get out there get out there well stay close to stay close to home but get out there breathe in that autumnal air and uh get practicing because me and christelle could be walking a hundred miles. We're going to be walking oh London to Brighton next year. I'm going to convince her. We're going to do it for the National Autistic Society. We're, we're going think... to do something. We are going to do something. We're doing that. We're doing the 30 hour walk. Me and Christelle. We're coming. doing something. We're going to do listen, a 30 hour podcast. Listen, Christelle, Christelle's not even, look, I could talk for days and days. You know I could. But walk, walking is the challenge. You can say I could, I could talk constant for a whole year, Christelle, and you know I would achieve that. But achieve walking. Walking. We can do. Okay. We shall see. If you want to sponsor us to walk, then yeah, yeah drop us a message. S- send Christelle a message at Gardens of the Precious. Right. <laughs> I'm going. Talking absolute rubbish as usual at the end of the podcast. I like how we get to this last minute and then we just start rambling absolute, long, 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 long. absolute fam, fan Django. Fan Django. Do the fan Django. Don't know, it's in, in that song, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Christelle. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.